0: Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. As summer draws near, I want to make sure to get maximum value for my travel dollar. Today's guests are all here to help. First off, family vacationist co-founder Christine Sarkis shares some strategies and destinations that will help point families in the right direction.
1: Find a hotel with a pool and then you just have water, you know, go to the pool, hang out. It turns downtime into sort of a highlight.
0: Next, we'll talk with Ali Khan, host of the TV show Cheap Eats, about his favorite bargain bites in Los Angeles, the Bay Area and San Diego.
2: I mean, just going into Koreatown when I was 18, coming from the suburbs of the Midwest, it's wild. I mean, this thing looks like Blade Runner. And then you go to places, like, that's amazing.
0: And we'll learn how the Go City Pass can save you time and cash while you explore multiple attractions around California, from theme parks to museums to even jet ski excursions. That's all coming up on California Now. Everybody wants to spend wisely on vacation, paying for things you value, but not overpaying for stuff that isn't a priority. As travel restrictions loosen and folks start exploring again, we're going to discuss some key tips and a few high value destinations to help you get full bang for your buck. Joining us today is Christine Sarkis, a longtime travel writer and editor whose advice has appeared in USA Today and The New York Times and on NPR. She's also co-founder of the travel publication Family Vacationist. Welcome to California Now, Christine.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here. So let's start
0: with your role as co-founder and executive editor of Family Vacationist. How did that start?
1: So when uh, my co-founder, Josh Roberts, and I started Family Vacationist, we came in with a really clear sense of what we wanted to do. We, we wanted to sort of like expand who we talk to when we talk about family travel. So, you know, we write stories for families with babies and younger kids and teens. And we also write stories for uh, like grandparents and grandkids traveling together and single parents traveling with kids and adult families traveling together and like um, couples who have either left the kids at home or just simply a family of two. Um and then also for families who have, in addition to being, you know, general family travelers, they have some particular set of considerations around orientation or inclusivity or safety or access, or just like some of the other things that are often a little bit less talked about in the in the family travel space.
0: Right. I thought, that sounds really great. It sounds like you wanted to explode some preconceptions about what family travel means. Uh, am I yes. getting that right? Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. That's really cool. Um, and, And we should clarify, you know, there's a difference between getting the best bang for your buck in terms of value versus just, you know, here's the bargain basement most affordable option, right?
1: Yeah I think a really good and for me very visceral um, example of this is thinking about a really cheap flight, right? So a really cheap flight that's a bargain. but there might be more value in a flight that um, it, that costs a bit more but doesn't have a layover or maybe leaves or arrives not at like four in the morning or has more legroom or goes into a more convenient airport. It's like there's all these different ways in which, the lowest price is so sometimes not going to yield the best the best value.
0: Right, right. So let's turn now to tips for, for high-value family travel. Why don't we start with that planning process? You know, what are some pointers as folks decide where to go and what to do?
1: One way to sort of maximize value for your whole family on a trip is to um, think about your family in relation to the destination. So is it a good fit for, for everyone? Uh, thinking about... Does a place have activities that everyone will enjoy? Is the destination one that's going to offer the right speed? You know, if you're a laid back family, maybe the beach is the right fit for you. If you're a family that just wants to be constantly going, maybe a place with more to do is the right fit. Is it a place that's going to increase joy or frustration? So do you really want to go out for a long dinner um, after spending a year inside with your kids when you know that they've forgotten how to go out to eat? Um, And another thing, and that's it's pretty specific to now is to take into account what's going on with everyone right now, Um, because I think honestly, I think we're all a little weird right now and we're all out of practice. Um, So many of us sort of need to ease back into things.
0: Almost sounds like it's a little bit of a negotiation between different family members, maybe some compromise, like maybe the kid who's not into adventure maybe just may have to like, you know do some adventure and then also work in some other stuff that that kid wants to do
1: yeah and i think that's actually huge in getting that's you know in getting that buy-in because it's like if someone knows that they're gonna get to that they get to choose one of the activities you know if they get to plan something special um i think in general we're all more likely to go along with it being like oh well i'm being a good sport for this and someone's gonna be a good sport for my thing it's a you know, like the quiet negotiations of family.
0: <laughs> it's almost like a life lesson.
1: Right? Right? <laughs> yes.
0: So what about like, you know, I, everyone is so excited to get back out there and do stuff. I think there's probably a risk of maybe overstuffing your days, you know, or, or maybe people are just, just want to lie on a beach all day. So, I mean, how do you kind of find that balance of getting just the right amount of activities in without going overboard or without maybe planning too little?
1: I think that most of the time people tend to overschedule vacation. I think part of the magic of vacation and part of the, like the part that we bring back with us, I think is often just like that underlying relaxation that I think is hard to access if you're overscheduling. So I almost think it's, I don't know. Have you ever heard the advice like uh, where, like you put it on all the jewelry you want to wear and then you take off a piece.
0: No, I haven't heard that. <laughs> I, I, that's
1: so weird that you haven't. Um, <laughs> um, so it's sort of like that, like figure out what your itinerary is and then maybe just like remove one thing. And mm. for that time schedule, for that time frame, do something super relaxing, you know, like sit in a hammock and read a book take your kids to the pool, you know, right, do something right. super low key.
0: That's a great idea. What else? What else? What what, What's another good pointer for for people who are are just now beginning to like imagine, you know, going someplace and and doing some really cool stuff?
1: So I think that one one thing, and this is just a general. This sort of goes back to the um, building and some relaxation. Is this um, a friend of mine said that her magic sort of like the, the key for her, the piece of magic that makes every family vacation work, is this term just to add water. Um, <laughs> so it's like find a hotel or a vacation rental with a pool and then just add water. you know go to the pool, hang out. it turns downtime into sort of a highlight. right. Um, so I think that's that's something that especially with with younger kids is it's just like instant magic.
0: Yeah, I mean just like, you know, reading a book or having a drink, there's something special about it when you're poolside.
1: Right? Especially <laughs> really? if you're poolside having a drink reading a book.
0: Right, exactly. The yeah. perfect combination. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned kids being out of practice, um, you know, maybe going to a restaurant or something, but I kind of feel like a lot of us are out of practice in general. Do you know, we haven't been out as much over the last year. Do you see people taking that into account in general?
1: Um, I think so. I think there's sort of two approaches. One is this um like all in like make up for lost time. And then the other thing is like dipping your toe in a little bit more tentatively. I think that, and I think sometimes that happens in the same family or in the same traveling group. And that can create sort of a set of, of challenges. But I think that the key there is to sort of honor your comfort zone and the comfort zone of all of your traveling companions and sort of figure out where you can, where you can meet in the middle.
3: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: because not everybody's going to be ready for all the same things. And some people are going to be more than ready for for
0: everything. Right. OK, so let's talk about a few places around California where folks can go experience a diverse array of pleasures without breaking the bank. What comes to mind first?
1: OK, so my first suggestion is a little bit counterintuitive, and that is um, tourist attractions. Um, some tourist attractions right now are offering great value because they're less crowded. So it's, it's like, especially if you're playing tourist in your own town sort of thing, it's a time to, um, to hang out somewhere fun in a lower stress environment. So two examples of this one is in, um, San Francisco, like going to pier 39 and taking a boat excursion and then doing some, you know, like grabbing a bite to eat. They have tons of outdoor dining right now. And then they have, you know, fun stuff like the carousel and the aquarium and, um, And it's all like in just like a low, it's not as crowded as usual. It's just more relaxed.
0: Right, right. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, just add water there, of course, there are amazing beaches and lakes in California. Where are some, you know, places that, you know, might be a great bang for your buck when you want to sit, maybe not necessarily poolside, but, you know, along a natural body of water.
1: Yeah. So I think in general, I think that the last year has um, given us all new appreciation for outdoor destinations. We've Mm -hmm. been spending a lot of time outside and now it's time to like take that appreciation on the road. Right. Um, So I think that, you know, beaches are great. They give, there's, there's enough room for everyone, especially like along the California coast, there's so many beautiful beaches and you have the beaches with like sort of the different vibes. So like in Northern California and the Bay area, you have like that, you know, you like bundle up sit on the beach and picnic and you're a little cold, but it's fantastic. Um, And then, you know, Central Coast and Southern California, you have like that more typical California beach experience. Um, There's also like heading into like national parks, state parks and regional parks, Um, since a lot of them still have reduced capacity. It's a nice place to be able to sort of scale up or down and sort of create the right fit vacation for you.
0: So, So what are some that stand out to you?
1: Oh, let's see. Um, I'm a huge, a huge fan of Yosemite. Um, it's, it's one of the national parks that's closest to me. I grew up going there. I love it. Um, one trick that I've learned only recently though is that, um, and especially in a summer like this where accommodations in the park are, and this goes not just for Yosemite, but this is true for a lot of national parks, accommodations inside the park are pretty booked up already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but most parks are ringed by really great accommodations options. So um, I recently stayed at Rush Creek Lodge outside of Yosemite. Um, and it was so, it's the first time I've ever stayed um, near Yosemite, but not in Yosemite. And it was so fun. It was like, the, it felt like a, a nature based resort. Um, and they had a lot of sort of like, guided options that allowed me to see Yosemite in ways that I, that I hadn't, even though I'd been there many times.
0: Right. Right. What about traveling, you know, during off season or shoulder season? I mean, would that have a, a a positive impact on, on value?
1: Oh, always, always. And if you, if you can do it, I mean, I, um, I hope my, um, children's principal is not listening because I (laughs) regularly pull my kids out of school for like an extra day or two just to like maximize the value of a weekend like by Mm -hmm. building our own long weekend um we're able to go and not only are the prices better and the crowds smaller but often you get like the weather tends to be better especially if you're doing like spring or fall travel you don't get the heat of summer and the crowds um and going you know going like sort of those uh, shoulder season trips even to places that aren't known for being particularly great at shoulder season i think in california you pretty much can't can't go wrong like in some destinations i understand that like if you're going out of season you're you, there's the possibility of having a very like you know weather-wise a challenging experience, but I think in general, it's not really a consideration for
0: California. Right, right. Luckily, the weather in California is pretty much great all the time. Yes. (laughs) Well, what about places with a lot of different price points? I mean, what's the strategy there and, and what's an example or two?
1: So the idea of destinations with different price points is you can go upscale, you can go budget, and you can also sort of do that magic thing of mixing it up where maybe you save a little on accommodations, but then you splurge on dinner or you save up and do some sort of amazing organized trip or like tour. A great example of a destination with a lot of different price points is uh, Healdsburg and Sonoma. It's mm-hmm. got budget hotels. It's got ultra luxury hotels. It's got pretty much everything in between. Um, in terms of dining, it's got like a lot of like cool, casual, family oriented options that are pretty affordable. But it also has Michelin star dining. And you can build an itinerary out of almost entirely free options, or you can go the money is no object route. And Healdsburg <laughs> is not alone in having this adaptability. There are a lot of places that just where you can really, really mix and match and come up with something that fits your budget in a way that doesn't make you commit to being, you know, like a budget traveler or luxury traveler or, right. you know, something right. like that.
0: Right. So, so what, what would be some examples of like some of the free options in Healdsburg?
1: So Healdsburg has really beautiful nature. So it's right by the Russian River. You can go kayaking, you can swim, you can just lounge, you can hike. Um, It's got a lot of great cycling and it's fairly flat. So, you know, bringing a bike or renting a bike is another option. Um, It's downtown is um, downright adorable. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, you know, a place where people like to hang out. It has a lot of public art, like it's fairly invested as a community in, um, in public art, So there are different ways that you can interact.
0: So you really can go do something, you know, go for a hike for free and then, you know, have a really nice meal or go for some wine tasting.
1: Exactly. And even the wine tasting, um, you know, there are some options that are pretty family friendly places. There are, you know, um, tasting rooms that and wineries that have uh, picnic areas and bocce and things like that. So you could really turn like the cost of, um, of a tasting into an entire afternoon,
0: mm-hmm. which right.
1: um, and, a, and an afternoon that's fairly family friendly.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. So you know, at the end of the day, it's all about those you know those experiences that we would later on call you know priceless. Like we had this amazing experience. So you know, kind of like just going to the California coast and stopping for food on the way back. You know, are there any places that come to mind, like favorite places of yours that kind of exemplifies that?
1: Yes, absolutely. So for me, and it's, we clearly have the same sort of vision here. Um, like going out to the coast, maybe Point Reyes or the San Mateo coast and just bringing a picnic, hanging out. And then on the way back, this is my favorite part on the way back, stopping somewhere for like a drink or a meal where you just get to like extend the day for a little longer and still feel like you're on vacation.
0: Um,
1: And it's and it also when you're traveling with kids, it's like getting out ahead of the low blood sugar um, (laughs) and the things that cause nice days to unravel.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Christina, I almost feel like, you know, the trip planning process itself is so fun and just, you know, thinking about the possibilities. It's almost like your vacation is starting then.
1: Yes. Yeah, actually, it's sort of like scientifically proven that that is that is true that anticipation boosts overall travel happiness um and that travel planning is is like such an integral part of the joy um i was uh the other day i was sitting with my niece who is almost nine and um she just out of the blue asked me if i would help her plan a vacation (laughs) um and so we sat down and we had sort of like, we were like, okay, where in California do, do you want to go? And we ended up with sort of a Santa Cruz, Monterey Bay sort of trip. And it was so exciting, just the two of us sort of brainstorming through and sort of helping her come to understand what made her happy about vacation and then figuring out where she could go with her family to sort of bring that joy to, to all of them.
0: That is so great, and not only for vacation planning, but just you know, again, another life lesson is like, okay, we plan, we do research, and then you actually you have the reward of actually you know having that those experiences.
1: Yes. Um, So speaking of sort of life um, life skills, I have been uh, for for many years. I have been making my children. pack for themselves on vacation. <laughs> That's good. And so what what we do is we started out before they could read, I would make them a packing list that was like pictures so that they could bring the packing list into their room, room mm. and sort of follow it as they packed. Um, and yes, there were a couple of times where they showed up somewhere with none of the right things, (laughs) but now they do this entirely on their own. Like they'll a day or two in advance be like time to pack and they'll like make a little list and they'll ask me about the weather and what it's going to be like and what activities we're going to do. Oh, that's so great. And yes, it's, I am, it's a proud, it's a proud parent moment.
0: (laughs) Well, Christine, this has really been great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now.
1: Thank you. It was great talking to you.
0: Christine Sarkis is a longtime travel writer and editor and is executive editor and co-founder of Family Vacationist, online at familyvacationist.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. If you've ever imagined a California mountain road trip with waterfalls and wildflowers galore, you've probably pictured the High Sierra. All four regions of the High Sierra offer hundreds of miles of lush forests, lakes, and pristine wilderness to explore, from Lake Tahoe down through Sequoia National Forest. And this area is full of hidden gems, places like Kings Canyon National Park offer world-class views and outdoor experiences without epic crowds. You can see some of the largest trees in California, trees over a thousand years old, from sequoias to the famous Bennett Juniper. Or strap on your headlamp and walk through an 1800s rail tunnel near Truckee. The High Sierra is a cinematic destination if you love hiking, climbing, or just want to try stand-up paddleboarding on any of its hundreds of lakes. And did I mention wine? The western slopes of the High Sierra offer quaint family-owned wineries in historic gold rush towns, plus an exploding new craft beer scene. To plan your High Sierra getaway and get some tips on how you can be a responsible traveler, visit CaliforniaHighSierra.com. That's CaliforniaHighSierra.com. If your restaurant budget is unlimited, California is a very nice place to be. If you're operating on a tighter food budget, the Golden State still offers amazing options. You just need to adopt the right mindset and know where to go. Here to chat about all of this is Ali Khan, who you may know from hosting five seasons of Cheap Eats on Cooking Channel. Besides TV, he's also known for his food writing, including the blog Bang for Your Burger Buck. Welcome to California Now, Ali.
2: Hey, thank you. Great to be. It it feels good to be back in California, so to speak.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so for listeners who aren't familiar with your work on Cheap Eats and the like, how'd you get started?
2: It was a 10-year journey. Um, I'm originally from the Midwest. I came to Los Angeles to chase a dream in entertainment. I studied theater at USC, um, and this was many, many moons ago uh, before (laughs) the internet as we kind of know it. And um, you know, I found myself, um, you know, hustling around, looking for acting jobs and whatnot um, in Los Angeles in like 1999. And a job fell in my lap in 2003. A friend of mine uh, offered me a job to write a restaurant guidebook for a magazine called Black Book. And I always preface this with um, this was 2003, the age mm-hmm. before Yelp, the age <laughs> before um, smartphones. And I always had this passion and knowledge for food and my friend knew this because he knew me since i was 12 and you know as he was kind of canvassing folks who lived in los angeles who could help out he knew i would be a really good fit but i kind of like to people straight up and as a 44 year old grown man i could say i was just a fact that you really love to eat and i'd also add too like both my parents immigrated from bangladesh growing up in the midwest in the 1980s you realize that food culture means so much um you know what you what i ate at home that my mom would make and when we would go to like community uh, dinner parties and stuff like that was so different than going to my friend's birthday party and having pepperoni pizza and stuff so i feel like i had an advantage growing up just having a more diverse palate so it was in my bones, in my DNA. I wrote this restaurant guidebook when it came out. Um, I mentioned I'd gone to USC. I had some friends who'd gone to film school. And this was kind of like when Food Network was really hitting a stride. And my friends who had gone to film school, who knew that I was trying to get into you know, the entertainment business, get in front of the camera, were like, you should work on food. So that started a 10-year journey of pitching a food show and doing a bit of a Hollywood hustle. And when I finally landed with the right opportunity at Food Network, Um, It was a time where, you know, I think the network was realizing there's all this talent and all these interesting voices that are coming out of, you know, self-publishing in the digital broadcast. So, you know, I had been food writing had turned into blogging and social media was just a way to kind of get for me, get your voice out there. Now in this influencer age, it's full on like marketing tools. Right. But. It was really just kind of adapting to a very, very changing world, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of media and following this dream of going, I can talk about food really, really well. (laughs) I just need to figure out how to get my mug in front of the right person.
0: (laughs) Right. And, And like the idea behind like cheap eats and, uh, best bang for your burger buck, um, it's kind of like the idea that late LA Times food critic Jonathan Gold was so big on, kind of like that some of the best food can actually be found in places that are all too easy to overlook, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, there's some, Jonathan Gold is instrumental for me. Ultimately, his work is all about celebrating Los Angeles and exploring all of it. And when I wrote uh, for Black Book, because i had gone to USC, I was giving South LA, and over the years, like... I've realized I've really had an affinity and focus on frankly, working class neighborhoods, you know, um, LA, like a lot of cities, people can focus on the postcard. So you Mm -hmm. go to Santa Monica pier and you go to the Hollywood sign and, you know, these are all draws of course, but you know, they're the places where folks just work and grab lunch. Uh, the place that has a huge line for breakfast burritos, that's where the locals want to eat. I have an affinity towards that and that very much, I think, rolled into what Cheap Eats would turn into as a series, you know. Um, right. But that's one of my mantras. Do what the locals do, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: that's And and that's where you find a lot of the best food. I mean, does, does it take a, a certain mindset or strategy to find cool places to eat while saving money wherever you are? Is it really just going where the locals eat or is there maybe something another, you know, criterion as well?
2: You know, when you love food, you're like, you want to hit a home run, right? But the truth is, the truth is, if you really want to like do this, you got to risk a bad meal. And mm-hmm. frankly, you're always better off risking a $10 lunch than $150 dinner. So I think part of it is just kind of going, hey, roll the dice,
0: right. and take
2: a <laughs> chance. And, um, you know, I, one of the things too, it's interesting with cheap eats and stuff like that. And, you know, like how much, how, what is cheap, right? Value is is certainly relative. So you have to kind of like really set your expectations of what you're getting um, and and, and what they're offering. Just because it's expensive doesn't make it better. There's just, you got to understand why it costs what it costs.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, for you, going out to eat really became a way to explore L.A. County, right?
2: Oh, my God. 100 billion percent. I mean, (laughs) just going into Koreatown when I was 18, coming from the suburbs of the Midwest, it's (laughs) wild. I mean, this thing looks like Blade Runner. And then you can go (laughs) to either places? Like, that's amazing. Like, absolutely, what a fantastic way to really just understand, explore LA.
0: So you mentioned Koreatown. Um, Is that a place to this day that you still just can't get enough of? Um, And if so, like, what are some places that you'd recommend?
2: Certainly Koreatown. But even more so than Koreatown, this is you know, handling the geography at all, San Gabriel Valley, I mean, mm. my goodness gracious, like the the quality and level and depth of uh, regionality, specificity of, of, of Chinese food, let alone everything else alone is staggering.
0: <laughs> so what are some places in the San Gabriel Valley that you'd want to go to that you if somebody was coming to L.A. Mm-hmm. and you would and you would tell you have to go to this this place and get this dish?
2: We I used to live in downtown, and one time we just kind of popped over to a place called Elite Dim Sum in Monterey Park. And what I loved about their dim sum was it's kind of like a Din Tai Fong, which is in our it's in an Arcadia and also now in Glendale, like the fancy mall. But it's excellent dim sum. Elite has excellent, like well-crafted shumai. So you've mm. got like the dumpling that's got that. Th- my favorite is the combo of ground pork and shrimp with roe on top. And mm. theirs was quite pretty. I mm. remember when we ate at Elite, and my wife just is not a, that as big of an eater as I am, our check was ridiculous. I literally was like, it was so cheap that I was like, oh, we should have ordered more. You know?
0: <laughs> um, but Elite
2: was lit. That shumai, oh my uh. God.
0: Yeah, no, that that sounds amazing. Okay, how about some other places in in L.A., in and around L.A.?
2: I lived off my 20s on Zanku Chicken. Um, Zanku Chicken, I'm going to the one on Sunset Normandy. Uh, for, of course, everyone goes there, and the first thing they get is, like, the roast chicken, um, you know, cooked on rotisserie, the pita bread, the hummus, the pickled beets, the tomb, which is that garlic paste, which is lit up. But eventually, I was like, I would start... I have a thing for... Sp- Spinning meat, my friend. Like, Al pot store, shawarma, gyro. So I started to just get down with that shawarma. And I got to a point where, I, you know, they don't put them at 10 a.m. And I swear to you, I, I, I would be like, I'll eat shawarma at 10 a.m. In fact, I was back in L.A. a couple years ago shooting Best Thing I Ever Ate. And it's so funny. They had a car service for me because TV, right? And I <laughs> totally was like, hey, would you?" we were up in Burbank. I was like, would you mind stopping off right here? And I totally got freaking two plates of Zanku chicken. The memory <laughs> stuff. I spent a lot of time on Zanku. I'll just quickly add to um, what's really cool is like uh, uh, Burbank and, and Glendale are very, very cool areas. And obviously, we've kind of tiptoed on it. Uh, but tremendous Armenian population in, in Los Angeles. So many great kebab spots. There's a place in mm-hmm. called Original Kebab Factory. And they're one of these amazing places that's a butcher shop and you can eat. So it's radical. Like it's like I you know <laughs> I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Like I can get myself a little lula kebab for like six bucks and then pick up some meat to grill at home. Win-win. Um, Original Kebab Factory is, is super awesome. Uh, you know you know oh, this is a this was a true fine fine but i swear to you if you go to the space american market um you know it's like a liquor store or whatever and <laughs> it's so i don't even remember if they had marinated meats because that's why i went they made carnitas tacos that would rock your socks off and it was the most random place in a liquor store it was super close to where <laughs> i worked, and i would bring my coworkers there and i remember years later my friend was like dude you took me to have tacos at the back of a liquor store. You have a
0: <laughs> game. Okay, let's expand now beyond the Los Angeles area. I understand you spent some time in the Bay Area. What mm-hmm. comes to mind there?
2: We really enjoyed going to neighborhood bistros. That that that's what I found myself uh, dining at repeatedly. You know, um, I will say this to get out of the way. But well, my wife lived in the Mission for a while. We used to uh, late night go to Taqueria Cancun. And I won't even mm-hmm. tell you it's like the greatest burrito I've ever had. But let's be honest. One in the morning when there's a line, that's a good thing. let you just <laughs> admit, That's a good thing. Um, but, right. but certainly like in in that area in the Mission, Delfina, wonderful restaurant. I mean, it's funny. It's built as a pizzeria, but I adored the pastas there. Baco and Noe Valley, same thing. And I feel like when I when I think about these kind of like bistro level type restaurants, um, you know, uh, more I guess I don't know if it, it, more trattoria than restaurante. I would mm-hmm. say what, what really uh, took my breath away uh, was 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 discovering um, pappardelle in a duck ragu. You know, like mm-hmm. bolognese sauce, like I, and and I really I I think about Italian food. I had a lot of great Italian food. We just happened to stumble across a series of kind of these neighborhood bistro level restaurants that were frankly, you know, pretty romantic. Uh, Absinthe in Hayes Valley comes to mind. If you want oysters on the half shell, okay. So we know what I love about the Bay Area: oysters on the half shell. Okay, Hogs Island oysters in the Ferry Building. I wanted to propose to my wife there, but it was too busy. I was going to New Year's Eve. But Hogs Island Oysters, I'll, when I'm back in San Fran, I, I will absolutely make tracks to the Ferry Building, Hogs Island for Oysters, and Swan Oyster Depot, which is an amazing hmm. spot as well, yeah.
0: So do you have any favorite bistros in San Francisco?
2: You know, I mean, there, there are a few, but I would certainly say, certainly if you're visiting San Francisco for the first time, Zuni Cafe is an icon. It's a beautiful restaurant and it's really bistro and it's just casualness. And, but the food is just to the nines and they have a signature, really just a full on famous dish, which is the Zuni chicken. And it's actually known it, it, it does a three day salt brine, dry brine, and uh, it's roasted and you have to get it with the panzanella salad. It actually collects all the juices and, you know, start with some oysters, do do it pro style, but uh <laughs> it, it, it's legendary. And in fact, um, it, it's been the way that method is, is actually known of the three day dry brine. It's how a lot of people do their Thanksgiving turkeys.
0: You know, let's focus on one more destination. Um, how is San Diego when it comes to low cost dining?
2: You know, I mean, I'll say this what's really cool about San Diego, I'll tell you the ultimate, and this is kind of cheating. You're so close to Tijuana. Love San Diego, love how it's close to Mexico. When you go down towards the border, San Diego really shifts, right? Like when you're in Chula Vista, you know, you're getting close, you know? And yeah. I can't tell you how many people have said like, Oh, Chula Vista has got a great carniceria. You should get tacos there or whatever. There's a great place called, uh, uh, tacos. El Gordo that, that if you, if you had a friend from Mexico and you're like, let's get tacos. I definitely say, take him to Gordo. You know what <laughs> I mean? Tacos. El Gordo is, is, is the real one. thing. Yeah. It, it's real deal. And I would certainly say to, um, I would be remiss not to bring up a good carne- uh, San Diego style burrito. So there's a place we feature in on Cheap Eats, which is Libre Taco Shop. And they do, you know, like steak and french fry burrito. That's so freaking delicious. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: I'm not going to test that. I mean, I, I have had the uh, California or San Diego burrito in San Diego, and it is the most delicious um, combination of flavors you can imagine.
2: It's, yeah, <laughs> it just. It just works. It <laughs> works. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Ali, this has really been great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Ali Khan is a multi-hyphenate creative who writes and hosts shows about food like Cooking Channel's Cheap Eats. Ali is online at AliKhanEats.com. That's also his Twitter handle, at Ali Khan Eats. As always we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website visit california.com/podcast. This is California Now. Here's one way you might save some money on your next California vacation. Visit multiple attractions in the same city but pay only once. That's exactly the idea behind Go City, which lets you buy passes for a day or several days for theme parks, museums, zoos, bike and bus tours, even whale watching. Here to tell us more about it is Sarah McCann, Senior Regional Director for Go City. Welcome to California Now, Sarah.
3: Thank you so much for having me today.
0: So to start out, I'm sure you meet people all the time who don't know exactly what Go City is. So how do these city passes work?
3: Yeah, I think that is the most common question because it is quite confusing if you've never used a pass. So as you said, said before, the best thing is you pay once and you never have to buy anything at an attraction again. You can see it all, literally everything from, you know, the iconic unmissable attractions to local experiences. And one of the best parts is that you don't have to do any of the research. You know, Go City curates the best experiences for you. So we sell different passes for different cities. Um, we have two main sort of pass types. One is this all-inclusive kind of all-you-can-eat buffet that is good for different days. So we have like a one day, a two day, a three day, a five day, so on and so forth. And then we have another pass that seems to be very popular now. Given the fact that people like a more leisurely experience. And that is called our Explorer Pass. It's a choice pass, which is good for 60 days. So it's great for a local or regional traveler that may want to go to a city more than once given um, a two month period. And again, they pay one price. So, you know, they range anywhere from $49 to $359, depending on which pass you guys are using and choosing. And you get to um, use the attractions. You never have to decide before you actually buy it. You get to just kind of see what we offer and then have the flexibility to do what you want while you're in market.
0: This is a really great idea. I know in the past, you know, uh, some theme parks would have passes similar to this. But what you're talking about isn't just for theme parks, right?
3: Right, right. Again, you know, we feature most of the most iconic attractions in theme parks. But again, it's going to have those really cool things. So, you know, in San Diego, for instance, it's, you know, an outdoor beachy city. So we uh, carry a lot of the kayak rentals and the stand up paddle boards, but also cool things like brewery tastings and indoor skydiving. So it's really that (laughs) kind of see it all um, experience on one pass.
0: That's really cool. So let's get to some like specific examples in California. You mentioned a few, but, you know, what are some of the big ticket attractions in California cities that are part of the Go City offerings? Like, what are the ones that really people love to take advantage of?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think again we are um, focused in the three major cities in California, so San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and we work with. Almost every attraction in the state, minus (laughs) a couple. Um, But our big guys are Universal Studios, Warner Brothers Studio Tours. Those are both in Los Angeles. Six Flags, Magic Mountain, also Six Flags Discovery Kingdom up in the Bay Area. Um, We have Knott's Berry Farm. And then down in San Diego, we have SeaWorld, the San Diego Zoo, Legoland California, the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Um, So pretty much all of the top main attractions in California.
0: Mm. So if I, you know, if I already want to see a few of these attractions, it can really save me cash compared to paying for each one individually, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, depending on which pass you use and how you utilize it, you're saving up to 50% versus buying the tickets at the gate. Um again, it's hard, kind of you have to look at how you're going to spend it and how many attractions you're going to use to figure out what that savings is, but yes, and then you're going to save a ton of time cuz you don't have to go to all of these different websites to actually purchase the tickets and remember where you save them if they're digital and um, all of that good stuff. So it's a great, great one-stop shop for everything that you want to do in California.
0: And, you know, um, at the same time, there's a ton of flexibility built in. So tell us about that.
3: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things is I think, you know, when you're going to a city, you know, you want to do some things, but you just don't know what the weather is going to be like, or you don't know how your kids will be feeling that day, or if you don't know if you're going to enjoy the attraction as much as you thought you would. So it has so much flexibility. So, you know, with, let's use the Los Angeles three day all inclusive as an example. For three days, you know, you can do as much as you want, as many times as you want. So if you go to Universal Studios and you stay there all day, that's great. But say you want to leave and then actually go catch another attraction, you can. Um, And then if you wake up and, you know, it's cloudy that day and you might want to stay indoors or, you know, again, if it's very hot, you want to stay indoors, you have the flexibility to do that. So it's really nice for that flexibility, not having to figure out what you're going to do before you get to market, figuring it out on the fly. And then again, um, if the family is large, say you're traveling with generational, you know, grandparents, parents and children, and there's a teenager and a young child, you guys can actually split up, do different things and then come back and experience an attraction altogether.
0: That flexibility is so important, especially right now, you know, in a pandemic, it's really great to be able to keep your plans open and always know that you have those options. It's really a a really great feature of it.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, our thing is, you know, customer is always top of mind. So flexibility, freedom, kind of all of that. And again, I think, you know, another thing is that we we really curate that experience. You know, you really don't have to do any research because from the local to the iconic We're here to make sure that you get the support. So our customer support line is there to answer any questions. If You bought the pass and you don't know where to go, or if you don't know how to use it, we're always here to support.
0: I imagine that Ghost City passes can spark longer stays. So, you know, since people know they won't run out of things to do when visiting, is that, do you find that happening? Do people, are people staying longer at these uh, destinations?
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, pre COVID, you know, our most popular passes for some of these cities, especially Los Angeles, was our five and seven day pass. It was good for um, non consecutive day use in a 14 day period. But now with our Explorer Pass, that's good for 60 days. And even our three-day pass, you know, our three-day pass is probably the bread and butter in San Diego. And that means that people are actually spending three days consecutively visiting different attractions. So it's great to extend that stay and give people, you know, something to do. Um, I think, you know, some of the things that we've heard from our customers is that, they didn't really know what to expect and they had a great time, but they probably would not have known about several of the places without the information provided and some of those lesser known places were their favorites actually.
0: That's really interesting. that's great. Um, let, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive now um, city by city um, about what's on offer uh, in these cities. So why don't we start with San Diego? What are some of the most popular spots? What are people you know going to right now using the Go City Pass?
3: Yeah, the Ghost City Pass in San Diego is um, very, very, very popular for the top, top, top four attractions. And lucky enough, they are all open, which is nice. So, um, you know, we have the San Diego Zoo, we have SeaWorld, Legoland, California, and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Obviously, the USS Midway Museum is very popular as well. And then given, you know, the current kind of uh, environment with people enjoying to be outdoors. Some of the really popular ones are the San Diego Speedboat Adventures. That's one of my favorites. It's two people in this 13-foot speedboat, and you get to go out with a professional that leads you out for a 90-minute tour in the Bay. We have jet ski rentals, um, kayaks, surfboards, stand-up paddleboards, as well as, you know, things like the top museums, so San Diego Natural History Museum, the Air and Space Museum, the Fleet Science Center, the Maritime Museum. Um, So it's really anything and everything you can think of in San Diego, including tours of Petco Park, which Hmm. obviously the San Diego Padres are very popular now.
0: Right. (laughs) So, well, you know, you you mentioned these like uh, jet ski tours and things like that. So that is actually included. It's not like it's not an extra rental fee that you're paying. It's actually part of the past
3: exactly so some of the um, water sports have nuances to them so again we always suggest everybody read your guidebook read through the details and more especially now because there's so many different things changing with um, the given time in terms of You know, we suggest showing up on this day rather than a Saturday afternoon when we know the wait times are going to be longer. But with the jet skis, they do require two people um, and you actually get to take it out on your own. It's not a tour. It's awesome. I've done it with my daughter who rides on the back and it's super, super fun. But that's all included. You don't have to pay any extra fees. And that's on the San Diego Explorer Pass, which is the choice pass model.
0: Right. Okay. Same question now for Los
3: Angeles. So Los Angeles is an interesting cup of tea to talk about right now. As we know, um, Los Angeles is really just opening up, and we're so looking forward to what this summer is going to look like. But our most popular attraction is Universal Studios. That is actually a premium attraction that is only included on our three-day and higher all-inclusive pass. So if you know you're going to be in L.A. for three days or more, and you know you want to visit multiple attractions, including Universal Studios, this is the best pass for you. It's only $229. So if you think about what you'll spend, gate rate, which is I think about $139 at Universal Studios, then you can go to as many attractions as you can on those other two days. Our other top attractions are obviously the Warner Brothers Studio Tour, Six Flags Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm. And then we have, you know, the top um a- museums, which is the Natural History Museum, La Brea Tar Pits, the California Science Center, the Grammy Museum, as well as a lot of the Hollywood tours. We have a Celebrity Homes tour. Hmm. We have a Hollywood Hikes um, tour, which is one of my favorite. You get to go up through Griffith Park. We have guided bike tours that go through the Celebrity Homes experience. Um, And that seems to be really popular in Los Angeles as well.
0: Wow. It sounds like you can spend weeks actually there with everything that's included.
3: You really can. And again, for even a local who has never had the time or taken the time to experience their city, it's a great pass to use. Um, There's really cool things, even like hot yoga, um, which Mm. I know I love doing in my normal experience that are on the Los Angeles pass. So you really can spend a ton of time doing attractions and not feeling like it's something that you've done before in a different city.
0: Are there any hidden gems in L.A. Um, that are included that people, you know, might not be front of mind that, you know, people would really appreciate going to and maybe didn't even know about until they saw it on your list?
3: Yeah, again, I think the hidden gems are the things that you wouldn't think about when you're coming to L.A. necessarily for an attraction. So, you know, you might be an avid hiker, but one of my favorite things is the Hollywood Hikes Um tour. It is amazing. It is a great, great experience because not only are you hiking up to the Hollywood sign, but their tour guides literally give you the most random facts of knowledge that you would have never known about that area. So I actually got to experience that with my daughter and I am an Angelino, and I had no idea (laughs) about the cool history there. Um, I think, again, the hot yoga is one of my uh, favorites. That's in Culver City, Um, And then other than that, you know, there's really cool bike rentals and things like the Grammy Museum, which I don't think is very well known just yet. The Grammy Museum is amazing. We also include um, a ticket to an L.A. Galaxy game. So if you're a soccer fan, um, it is a great experience to come in, experience a game and have a little bit of L.A. to take home with you.
0: That's great. All right. Let's 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 head on up to San Francisco. What are the possibilities there?
3: Yeah, San Francisco. You know, San Francisco a little bit different because it's not driven by these huge, large theme parks, even though we do feature Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. Um, it is really about, you know, I think the main popular attractions is, are on the wharf. So we have Aquarium of the Bay. We have boat cruises out to, um, you know, around Alcatraz. We have Madame Tussauds, which is right there in the wharf area the USS Pompanito, And then obviously we have the large ones, which are a little bit off of uh, the wharf experience, the California Academy of Sciences. We have the San Francisco Zoo. We also feature tours of the Oracle Park Stadium. Um, There's bike rentals, bike tours that you can take along the Golden Gate Bridge. A lot of cool things that you can do in San Francisco.
0: That's really cool. and San Francisco is such a great town, um, even just walking around it. So being able to have this pass and going from attraction to attraction to museum, I mean, it's just a a really comprehensive way to to kind of experience uh, the city.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you can get a lot done in San Francisco in a short period of time because it's so small. And, you know, one of the... um, attractions that we feature is the big bus hop on hop off so even if you don't have a car it's great to get around there or the all-day bike rental so you can actually rent a bike and then use our pass to go experience the attractions that way
0: sarah this has been really great thank you so much for joining us on california now
3: my pleasure thank you for having me
0: sarah mccann is senior regional director for go city online at gocity.com As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and get a chance to explore the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Soterios Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. Believe it or not, this is the 59th episode of California Now, and it's time for our team to take a short hiatus. We'll be back later this summer with more great ideas for experiencing this amazing state, so stay subscribed and stay tuned. In the meantime, I want to encourage you to scroll through our past episodes, where you'll find all sorts of information on road trips, outdoor adventures, fantastic food, and so much more. You can find the complete library of podcasts, more than 37 hours worth of travel inspiration at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast.